You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Oge Ogwe, the lead pastor of Circle Church International. He envisions all men living Christ-centered lives. Be blessed as you listen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Welcome to the overflow. Thank you, Jesus. That song that Minister Shemudede sang is so prophetic. You are the river that never runs dry. No matter where you go, no matter the situation the river is placed in, it will never, ever run dry. Thank you, Lord, for a release. Be glorified in the name of Jesus. Say hi to three people and sit down. Give them a high five. Say hi to them. It's nice to see you in church. You look good. You look great. Dari, I love your hat. It looks very lovely. Um, some of you look better than him. I think we should start doing best dressed in church. Some people will carry it every Sunday. Amen. Praise the Lord. We won't stop praising you. We won't stop loving you. Forever and ever. Forever and ever. We won't stop praising you. We won't stop loving you. Forever and ever. Forever and ever. Hallelujah. I have a lot to teach. This is not the Sunday where we sing and forget ourselves. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right. So before, before we start, um, just a few appreciations. First of all, I missed you guys. Some of you didn't even notice I was not around. This is how cool you used to start. But I bring you greetings from your brothers and sisters in Abuja. Amen. They will soon carry me because I think they have my heart more than you do. In your house, it's not last one that is daddy's favorite. <laughs> I'm, I'm just joking. I also want to appreciate Minister um, Shinudete for coming around. Thank you so much. I, I wish we had more time for... Um, worship, I would have left you to do your thing, alright, but one of one of my biggest uh, challenges every Sunday morning especially Sundays where we experience such a release from God is even as I'm praying, at the corner of my heart, my sermon notes will be calling me, say remember that this note is long, if you don't start teaching now, you won't finish this note, stop this prayer you are praying and go and teach <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. But next week, we will have ample time. I mean, my teaching will not last 20 minutes. I mean, it's going to be short so that we will have ample time to sing songs. So I know the, the ideology you were given or the, the idea you were given is it's a miracle service. So I will still teach my normal long no, no, no. It's a, it's a miracle service, but it is a service of songs as well. So we will take time 
to sing. We will take time to worship and um, enjoy God. God is a singing God. Did, did you know that? He sings. Um, Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17. You know Zephaniah? The book you haven't opened this year. <laughs> yes, it, it, it says that he sings over you with joy. So God sings. And um, the atmosphere of heaven is one that is filled with singing. In fact, one of the ways the Bible admonishes us to keep full of the Spirit is psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Hallelujah. We will have fun next week. We will have fun next week. Praise the Lord. We would, we would have range in the Spirit. I mean, we will go from intense worship to crazy rejoicing. I'm, don't, don't miss next week's service. I'm going to be having two of my friends around next week. Um, I'll be having um, Pastor James Ibokwe and Minister Daniel Bentley here next week. So it's going to be fun. Make sure you come around. God bless you. Dear soldiers, let us start today's service or today's teaching. Now, this month we've been doing a teaching series on the church home. And I've been paying particular emphasis on or I've been placing particular emphasis on um, the believer and his relationship with his local assembly. All right, the believer and his relationship with his local assembly. Um, um, offline media, I'm hearing several sounds that I don't understand. So could you help me? I think I can relieve you of your duty today. So you can, you can stop. Um, offline media, could you help me with this? And... Um, Let's, let's have a cleaner service experience. And then logistics, if you could switch off that noise-making machine at the back, I would appreciate it. Thank you. I think that's a little better. Please put that off as well. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm very sensitive to noise. So once I have so much of it around me, I can't operate. All right. And so the first Sunday, I started with talking about... Um, I started talking about church hurts, right? We, we spent some time discussing church hurts, how to handle the conversation, how to recover from church hurts. And it was more or less a therapy session for many people because I got many conversations from people. Many people reached out about, you know, the experiences they've had. Some people reached out for advice even after the service and I, and I was you know I was very grateful that the Lord led us in that direction you know for that service because it seemed it seemed um out of place when we started but then it ended up being exactly what many people needed to hear at the time they heard it then the next Sunday being last week I wasn't here but we taught the same thing across all our campuses so Pastor David was here brought a good word amen Pastor David brought a good word here last week. We talked about the church's responsibility to you. What should you expect from your local church? All right. Many people don't know what to expect from the local church. All right. Many people think that your local church is a good church because when it's your birthday, they call you. 
And whilst it is important that a church should try as much as possible to call people on their birthdays, you have to agree with me that sometimes it's not practical. Um, if, you, if, you, if, if you have a church that has, I mean, for instance, Living Faith Church sits 50,000 people inside, 51,000 outside across five services. I mean, that is... 101,000 people each service across five services every Sunday. How many birthday people are they going to call? Like, there will be people whose entire responsibilities, thank you, there will be people whose entire responsibility in the week is you are just calling people and be saying happy birthday. In your sleep, you'll be hearing people's voices. All right, so it's, it may not be practical to do that all the time. I mean, for a growing church like ours, we still try our best to reach out to people, send messages, um, try as much as possible to do a poster for you, amen, to celebrate you. But it's not practical. And that's not really why the Lord commissioned the local church, all right? Um, some people think that the local church is welfare. Now, whilst welfare is one of the things a local church should cater to, it is not the most important thing a local church should cater to. Are you with me? Yeah, welfare is one of the things, but not the most important thing a local church is to cater to. And the list goes on and on and on and on. But why did God institute the local assembly? Ephesians chapter 4, I'm pretty sure Pastor David read this to you last week. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 10, from verse 11. We're going to read from verse 11 to verse 16. And he gave some apostles and some, you know what, go to verse 8 very quickly. And when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and he gave gifts to men. Verse 8. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity cap captive and he gave gifts unto men. Now verse 11. And he gave some apostles. So the gift that he gave to men was the gift of men. Are you with me? Good. It's the reason why your pastor is called a ministry gift. He is God's gift to you. Or she, you know, whatever the case may be. Your pastor is God's gift to you. When he ascended, he gave gifts to men. To some, he gave apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. These are all gifts. Why were they given? Verse 12, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Verse 13, till we come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So, there is, just like with your academics in school, there is a point where you graduate from your pastor's ministry. That is, what I mean by graduate is you have gotten to a level in your pastor's ministry where you can now join your pastor to do the ministry as well. What is that, um, what is that level? Unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. When your pastor's ministry is complete in your life, you will look like Christ. 
You will pray like Christ. You will talk like Christ talks. You would respond to situations like Christ would. Amen. Because actually, that's what the Holy Ghost came to do. That's why you have the Holy Ghost. To replicate, um, replicate Christ in you. And so your pastor exists to do the same. So if a pastor has set up a local church under the leading of the Spirit, under the command of God, the local church exists to replicate Christ in you, to build you, to build you up. Are you with me? Verse 14 says that we no longer be no longer babes, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of man and cunning craftiness. Whereby the lying waits to deceive. So, we can tell ministry is effective in your life when you're no longer tossed to and fro by doctrine. You, you, you know where to stand and you stand there. You know the truth and you stand on it. You know, before you would know something, you would hear something that's seemingly contradictory. Now you become scared. What if? What if? What if? When, but at a point in, in your walk with God, after being a member of a local church for a while, you should be able to say, this, this is what the Bible says. And it doesn't matter what opposing arguments come. Uh, there's a proven track record of truth from scripture that this is where I should stand. There are many Christians who are saved but don't know it. They don't know it. Are you saved? Well, by God's grace. And then tomorrow, they go for a meeting. And somebody stands on the altar. He says, bro, let him that think he stand, let him take heed lest he fall. If you want to dedicate your life to Christ, you are already saved. Though. Now you find yourself running out. For what? Salvation is not emotional is a fact. Do you understand? I'm saved when I feel like it. Fell the first time, he was still righteous. Is that correct? And the second, and the third. And don't think seven is the limit. Seven, um, in numerology for the Jewish people, usually connoted the number of the uttermost. It's just like now you would say uncountable, right? But for them, it was seven. That's the reason why when um, they asked Jesus, how many times should I forgive my brother? He said 70 times seven, connoting the uttermost as many times as possible. So when the Bible says the righteous man falls seven times, he's referring to how the righteous man will fall again and again and again, but he will keep getting up. So even when I fall, I remain righteous before God. So, I'm not going to say, oh, now because I know even when I fall, I remain righteous before God, I will fall anyhow I want. No. There is a balance to it. Shall we continue in sin that grace might abound? God forbid. How can we who are dead to sin be alive in it any longer? Romans chapter 6, 1 and 2. Are you with me? But at the same time, I should be able to stand. I should know what I have believed. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, when it is time for prayers... And the devil brings condemnation my way. I should be able to tell him, mm -mm, mm -mm, no, get deep behind me, Satan. Are we together? Yes, this is the work of ministry in your life. Yes, 
This is why you need to belong to a good local church. Amen. When troubles come, will you keep looking for a pastor to pray for you? Or will you man up and pray for yourself? Did you know? When the disciples were in the boat and there was a storm in front of them and the boat was rocking left, right, center, Jesus was sleeping. So it's good for your pastor to sleep. It is. He gives his beloved rest. I'm God's beloved. Let me sleep. <laughs> but Jesus was asleep. And the disciples were beside themselves. Just like many of you can be. Say, pastor, I was going through it. You didn't even check up on me. Now, Jesus woke up. And he calmed the sea. And he turned to them and said, Oh, you of little faith, how long will I be with you? How long will I be with you? You know why Jesus asked that question? He expected them to know what to do. If I have been with you for so long, you ought to know what to do. You know, even God expects maturity from us. He does. At some point, there are certain prayers that you will pray to God and it's like, you are too grown to be talking like this. I want to tell you, that some prayers that you pray look like them, that you pray look like they are not answered because you are bigger than that prayer. You are supposed to know how to handle that situation. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So, so Moses is in front of a rock, and he's so used to calling God, "What should I do next?" And this time he calls on God, and God says, "No, not in front of the rock, in front of the sea." And God says, "Why, why are you calling me?" What is in your... I gave you this rod in your hand for a reason. Since I gave it to you, haven't you learned that this is the thing, the, the technology by which I will do the miracles that you will do? Stretch your rod and do something. Are you with me? God expects maturity from you. That's what the local church exists to achieve. Maturity. Amen. Amen. Let it be that you've tried and tried and tried what is not working. Then you will now come and meet your pastor. Your pastor will now say, okay. I, I agree that you've tried, but can we do it this way? Okay, you know more than, I, the pastor knows more than you because of use. But at least you tried. Next time when you are in that situation, you will know what to do because the pastor has now told you. Some people don't even try at all. They just, they just see trouble from afar. Pastor. <laughs> Look, it is a privilege. Uh, let me say it now. It is a privilege as your pastor to share in your burdens. It is. It's a privilege. But it is also my responsibility to teach you how to handle those situations. And if every time you come to meet me, I handle the situation for you, I am not helping you, I'm spoiling you. Amen. Amen. Some of you, you come and meet me, Pastor, I don't know what is going on. I'll say, that's good. Um, I will put you on a prayer regimen. Because when you came to meet me, you expected me to say, stretch out your hands. Say, kneel before me. Father, in the name of, no, 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 no. You will pray. You will pray every day for like, let's say two weeks. 
you will fast and pray so that you will pull yourself out of it. You are going to become fathers, mothers one day. Your children will look to you for help. Your children will look to you. You will now go and meet your pastor. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Verse 15. But speaking the truth in love um, may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Verse 16. From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that, say, which every joint supplieth. Come on, say it with me. Which every joint supplieth. Good. So, let me say this. Who is a member of a local church? That's how I'm going to start today's teaching. By defining what it means to be a member of a local assembly. You are not a member of a local assembly because every once in a while you go to that church. Are you with me? Okay. You are not a member of it any more than you are a member of a school because you, every once in a while, you just enter the school. So what are you guys learning today? Ah, ah, you guys are trying to, the end. <laughs> you are not a student in that school. Is that correct? In fact, let me tell you, you can go every day to that school. As long as you are not enrolled in that school, you are not a student of the school. Uh, so you are not a member of a local church only because you attend services. I know that's, that seems off, but it's the truth. I, I, I wish this was a Thursday service. I would have used the whiteboard that I would usually use for Thursday services, but I don't have that luxury. Um, there's this man, his name is Rick Warren. He wrote this book called Purpose Driven Church. It's a highly recommended book for anyone who pastors a church. And he talked about the five um, tiers of engagement within any local church. Um, so think of five concentric circles. You know what a concentric, a group of concentric circles is? when you have circles that have the same focal points, but they just increase in diameter. Small circle, bigger circle, bigger circle, bigger circle, the same center. Does it make sense? Uh, so five concentric circles. On the outermost circle, you have what is known as the crowd. Everybody. Then you have the community after the crowd. Then after the community, you have the congregation. And after the congregation, you have committed. Then you have call. All right. Now, a lot of people don't understand that crowd is anybody and everybody that knows about your church. Community is the group of people that you reach with your sermon excerpts, your sermons, um, directly or indirectly. That's your community. Then the next step is the one people think is church membership, and that's congregation. The people who come from outside and join, that is, they come for services every now and again. You want to take a step from congregant to committed. You see, because discipleship begins at the committed level. You can't disciple a person who is not committed does it make sense? Like, 
let me let me use it let me use your dating life as an example there's crowd every man out there amen, amen. every single man god has ever created as a lady is your crowd then there's community the people that see your instagram posts and the people that see you in church you know the people that just observe you from afar that's your committed and your community then you have congregation, all the men in your DMs. <laughs> That's your congregation. Now, do you give them a commitment because they are in your DMs? Do you, in fact, when they enter your DMs, you don't start telling them, I don't like this, I don't like this, I like this. You just keep quiet and talk, let me hear you. Until they show a level of what? commitment. Are you with me? Now, when they now start showing a level of commitment, you will now start. You are looking like you are serious. Let me tell you now. If you are a snake, go. If you have two heads, leave my place. If you are engaged with somebody that does not know that they are engaged to you, go. Don't enter my... If you are... So, at the point where they start acting committed, you now start to quote and unquote, disciple them to be right for you. Are you with me? So, church membership starts at the committed level. That's where you see people who commit to the teachings, commit, because when it comes to congregation, I, I tell you the truth in Christ and I lie not. The Holy Ghost bears me witness. There are people that, are, that can attend four different services on a Sunday. They will attend two in the morning, two in the evening. And there are congregations everywhere. They know them in all those churches. Am I saying the truth? Now, it may not help that the four pastors preach different things on the same subject. So how can you effectively disciple that person? We've established the aim of the local church as it was set up by God is discipleship. Do you get it? Ephesians chapter 4 teaches us that. Till we come to the unity of the faith. How can I bring you to a mature man? When I will teach you A, somebody will go and undo what I've just taught you. <laughs> Literally, like you just step out from Sunday, you're like, some people, they'll attend. So, for instance, I grew up Anglican. First service is 7 a.m. By that time in second church, we are still sleeping. Because service here starts by 9.30. By that time, their own first service has finished. So you feel run now, just sharply, 7 a.m. mass. You run, in fact, in Catholic churches, some first mass, I think 5 a.m. or 6. So you run first mass, you finish. He died, we died. He rose, we rose. You finish. In the evening, AJS is online by 5. You enter service. Now, three services in one day. So, church membership begins at the committed level where you, you are subject to teaching. Do you understand what I'm saying? You, and, and the truth is this. We can see you coming frequently, but commitment is first in the heart. Where you decide, okay, I would allow myself to be trained here. What this man teaches is what I will accept. 
Do you understand? I've heard him teach on this. And that's why before I did this teaching, I started with teaching you how to locate a good local church. Now you've discerned, you've located a good local church. Sit down there, stay there, stay in one place. Be committed somewhere. Stop hopping up and down. It's bad habit. There's no student, there's no student that learn that, uh, that we graduate like that. Today you attend uh, Unibent. Tomorrow morning you say, ah. If you see the food they serve in Covenant. I will go to Covenant. Shebi is mass now. Mass is mass. I will learn it anywhere. So the, the curriculum or the syllabus that the people were following in Unibent is not the same syllabus they're probably following in Covenant. So now you have entered Covenant University and they're teaching maybe three weeks ahead or three weeks behind where you are. Mass is mass. Tomorrow you are in Redeemers. Next tomorrow, you, uh -uh. stay in one place. <laughs> are you with me? So, a good local church member is a committed local church member. So, number one, you are committed to teaching in that place. You are committed to doctrine from that local assembly. Number two, you partner with the local assembly to contribute to the body of Christ. So there's something you receive, but there is also something that you give in a local church. Then we know you are committed. When I say partner, money is part of it, but it's not all I'm talking about. You can partner with a local assembly by joining the workforce, for instance. You can partner with a local assembly. Maybe your schedule will not allow you to join the workforce. The least you can do is invite someone to church. It's your responsibility as a member of a local church. Do you know? It's not nice. You're not doing the church a favor. It's your responsibility. Just like it is my responsibility to make sure that before I come here and stand and speak to you, I will study well and pray well, lest I come and lead you astray. In the same way, your responsibility to this local assembly is to partner with us to grow the body of Christ. Amen. Amen. So a, a, a member of a local assembly is number one, one who is committed to growth under that local assembly, and number two, one who is um, committed to partnering with that local assembly to grow the body of Christ. Now, we have established that it is your ministry gift's responsibility to disciple you. So, what are your responsibilities? And I'll start from this thing I just said. Your first responsibility in a local assembly is to allow ministry be productive in your life. Do you hear what I'm saying? But no, no, they do like who no get pastor. For those who are watching abroad, it means... Um, no, they do. <laughs> Don't behave like someone who doesn't have um, pastoral covering. Allow ministry be effective in your life. Let him who stole, let him steal no more. Do you hear what I'm saying? Pick your Bibles with me and open to Philippians chapter 1 verse 25. 
We're going to read from verse 25 to 27. He says, and having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you. So you see, I will abide and continue with you. It has to be a partnership between me and you. You can't grow if you don't want to grow. It's the reason why people graduate with third class. The same students that, the same lecturer taught everybody. Some of them graduated with 2-1, with first class. Us, we graduated with 2-2 and third class. Because when the lecturer was teaching, some people partnered with the lecturer for their progress and growth. Us, we were warring against him. Sitting at the back of the class, making stupid noise and sleeping. Listen, if you don't partner with the pastor for your growth, you won't see it. Growth is never automatic. The only thing that is automatic in life is death. Every man will die. But growth, it has to be deliberate. If, like me, you lie to yourself, spend a lot of money, go to the gym, carry weight, carry weight, carry weight, carry weight. Ah, I used to know a guy. He will say he wants to lose weight. He will lift weight. This guy may be me or not me, but you get the point. He will lift weight, lift weight, lift weight, then go home and eat bread that will cancel all the calories that he just burnt. Like, he dropped calories, then he went to carry it back home. <laughs> then you will come out in front of your instructor. Hey, you are lying to yourself. It's not me. I'm not talking about myself. God is helping us. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so if you will see genuine growth, you must partner with the local church to see growth. Do you hear what I'm saying? Allow ministry be effective in your life. That thing that people do, where the word of God is coming, you block your ears and say, that one is pastor's business. You are, not, you are better off outside that church. You are wasting your time. You are wasting the pastor's time. Why are you there? Verse 26, that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Christ Jesus for me by my coming to you again. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. Let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. Speak, behave like one who has heard the gospel of Christ. Don't embarrass your pastor outside. Do you hear what I'm saying? In your church, your church works hard to bring a balance between righteousness by faith and the works that salvation must produce inside of you. Then you will now go outside and you'll be behaving as if you don't know consecration. You only know righteousness by faith. You are embarrassing your pastor. And this morning you say, I, I, I'm, I'm forgiven. Forgiveness is something that I've received in Christ. Come on, keep quiet. Your character is smelling and you're telling me forgiveness is what you have received in Christ. Work on yourself. Allow ministry be productive in your life. Do you hear what I'm saying? If not for anything, for the fact that you attend a good local assembly, let it show. Don't be like a student that goes to, you know, the big name schools, primary school, and then the boy still speaks terribly. There is, there is an amount of poise and panache 
you would expect from a person that says, I go to this kind of school. Am I saying the truth? Yes, uh-huh. Let it show. First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 17. This one, I want to beg you. This scripture we're about to read is me begging you. First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 17. It says, But we, brethren, being taken from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavored the more abundantly to see your face with great desire. That is, they were, they were away from the church physically. And then they longed to see the church, you know, physically, because they were away for a while. Next verse. It says, Wherefore, we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered us. Verse 19. For everybody read verse 19 together, one to go. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? And not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming. See, this is what Paul says, and I echo what Paul is saying. You are my joy in Christ, in the presence of Christ. You are the proof of my work in the presence of Christ. Please, in Jesus' name, do not rob me of my rewards. Do you hear what I'm saying? Do not rob me of my rewards. When we stand before Christ, the account I'm going to give is on your life. Don't rob me of my rewards. He says, you are my crown of rejoicing. The reason I can boast before Jesus, I will stand before Jesus with my full chest, is because, ah, did you see when uh, Mudupe joined us, she was like this, I'm not saying this is real, but after a while, the growth she experienced, ah, we did ministry well. We, we took this person that was not saved from unsaved to minister. We did ministry well. We can stand before Jesus and give that kind of re- um, account. So in the name of Jesus, please do not rob me of my blessings or of my, of my true reward. Let ministry, there is no gift you can give me as your pastor than to allow the work of ministry that I do in your life be effective. No bigger gifts. I appreciate those of you who send me money every now and again and say thank you for all you do. But if you are sending me thank you for all you do, but all I do know they show for your life, then the money is futile. Do you hear me? So what's your number one responsibility? Allow ministry be productive in your life. Don't be like Judas. Whom Jesus referenced in John chapter 17 verse 12. Where he says, everyone you have given me, I have kept. Except the son of perdition. Don't be like that. Praise the Lord. Number two. Understand that you represent the body of Christ. And specifically your local church. This is a continuation from number one. Understand that you represent the body of Christ and specifically your local church. 
In Acts chapter 4 verse 13, the Bible says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Let me tell you something. The world will consistently evaluate the body of Christ by your actions. Do you hear what I'm saying? The world will consistently evaluate the body of Christ by your actions. As long as you call yourself a Christian, you are on display. The Bible says, now thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph. And he makes manifest the suffer of the knowledge of him before everyone. I'm paraphrasing now. I think that's 1 Corinthians 2.14, is that it? Or 2 Corinthians 2.14. Yeah, that's the one. See, it means that at every point in time, as long as I say I'm a Christian, the world will look to me for guidance. Are you with me? You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill that cannot be hid. The light on the hill lights up every other thing under the hill. So you are on display at all times. Always realize your actions are points through which people will evaluate the body of Christ, act properly. You have a responsibility as a Christian and as a member of a local assembly to act properly. They beheld the disciples and they took notes. These people have been with Jesus. Notice that when they beheld them, they didn't say, oh, they are so good. Oh, I like their character. No. They immediately deferred to where they were coming from. Even you yourselves, you've done this thing before. There are certain churches probably you don't like because you've heard stories. And you keep saying, members of this church always behave like this. So, what is your responsibility to the local assembly? You have a responsibility to mirror properly the body of Christ to the public. Don't let it be said on your account that the heathen are blaspheming the name of the Lord because of your actions. Don't let it be said. In your office, mirror the body of Christ well. Don't be the terror in the office. And the thing is, many people come to church and we don't really see who you really are in a church setting. I'm sorry, but it's true. We have, what, four hours, five hours with you every Sunday. We don't get to know much of you. So you can... In front of the church, build up such a great persona that you are a great person. Now we give you a microphone. We tell you, come and pray. And in Circle Church, we pick um, committed workers and me committed members of the church at random to lead prayers. So now, your office people. <laughs> we now see a picture of you leading prayer in church. And they can't reconcile the person on the stage with the person that sits beside them in the office. And so their, last, their final statement will be last, last church now has come. The heathen will now blaspheme the name of our God on your account. Realize that you are a member. You represent the body of Christ and specifically your local church. Paul says, 
Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, be ye reconciled to God. We are ambassadors. I like the way the message, the message translation puts it. It says, we represent Christ. We represent Christ. You represent Christ. You speak on behalf of Christ. Do you understand? Represent him well. Online, represent him well. Offline, represent him well. At home, represent him well. You were, you were an obedient child, very decent, till the day you heard righteousness by faith. Now, they can't do morning devotion in peace in the house again because you have learned small Greek and Hebrew. Every small thing, no, 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 no. If you check the Greek lexicon, you are a representative. They will now say, that church you are going to, I don't like it. Is that how we behave here? I don't have time. And I have a lot. I still have some more to teach. Number three. Your responsibility to the local assembly. Honor, loyalty, and commitment. Write those three together. Honor, loyalty, and commitment. Let me first put out a disclaimer here before I start. There are some topics that people overflog in the body of Christ and it becomes error. They go into error because they are overflogging the issue. Are you with me? Yeah. Some topics like that and one of them is honor and loyalty. And so we begin to drive honor and loyalty to what it is not. All right. But at the same time, these topics have to be emphasized on every once in a while in a local assembly, especially in a young local assembly like our own. It needs to be emphasized on every once in a while in a local assembly. There are four levels of honor for the Christian. Four levels of honor for the Christian. The first and highest level of honor for the Christian is honor for God and his word. Do you hear me? Honor for God and his word. Nobody in the body of Christ is worthy of more, of more honor than that. Do you understand what I just said? No person in the body of Christ is worthy of more honor than honor for God and his word. We all are subject to God's word. And by extension to God. How we show our submission to God is first by submitting to his word. Many people don't understand that. It is not by singing beautiful hymns to him. We show submission to God first by submission to his word. Because if he honors his word more than he honors his name, then what he honors the most will be the thing we should honor the most. Are you with me? Ah, so Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. You will keep my words. So how do we prove to God that we honor him? We honor his word. 
we say what the Bible said and we don't say what the Bible did not say. We are loud where the Bible is loud. We are silent where the Bible is silent. Are you with me? For instance, the Bible is loud on the salvation gospel. So that's the thing we'll be loudest about because that's what the Bible is loudest about. As a preacher, I cannot make my entire ministry about something that is minor in scripture. Do you hear me? Money is important. Jesus spoke about money a lot. But if that is all my ministry is about, do you realize that I will get into error? Because there is a degree to which you stretch a subject, you deform that subject. Even in nature, even nature teaches you that anything that is elastic has a limit to which once you stretch it beyond, it will break and it's called its breaking point. This is the issue. Many people, you want to make an entire ministry and, and I don't, I don't, I'm not talking about anybody in particular right now. You want to make an entire ministry about sexual purity. You are in trouble. You are in trouble. Because here you are, teaching sexual purity every day, every day, but you're not taught on righteousness by faith. How do you want people to flee from evil when they don't know that they're no longer subject to sin? We keep talking about ways to run away from trouble, but the Bible says one thing, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the loss of the flesh. That's what the Bible says. So our honor is first for God and his word. Nobody, I tell you, in, I speak the truth in Christ and I lie not, no one is above it. Not even me. Not, see, not my father in the Lord, not his own father in the Lord, not Bishop Oyedepo, not Daddy Gio with all due respect. Not, nobody is, is above God and his word. Nobody. Now, this doesn't mean that if we want to enforce the truth of God's gospel, we will now throw away honor for God and his servants. See, because that's the next level of honor. God and the people he sent. Whether it is angels, pastors, preachers, whoever. As long as the person is sent by God, they require or deserve honor. Proper honor. Do you hear what I'm saying? So, a preacher may say something that is not aligned perfectly with what God has said. Provided this man has a track record of a defying the body of Christ, he is only human, subject to mistakes. So, what do you do? That is not the time for you to now come out and say, with all due respect, nobody is uh, above correction. And there is nobody that is above the honor of God and his... Mm -mm, you are in error. How do you do it? If you have a platform on your platform, just teach what is correct. I wish I have the time. But there are certain errors that you see in the body of Christ. You just keep quiet. Because it's really inconsequential. Okay, let me give you an example. By nature of how the book of Revelation is written, I've, to I've taught you this before. 
several times. The book of Revelation really doesn't have tenses. It's not pre pre um, present tense, past tense, or future tense. If you read the book of Revelation, you can read it as past tense, and so you can believe the rapture has already happened. Or you can re read it in present tense and believe the rapture is currently happening. And you can read it in future tense and believe the rapture will happen. And I, I tell you, even amongst theologians, there are people who camp on all three schools. That's, there are people who believe the rapture has already happened. They will give you proof with scripture. Quote and unquote. There are people who believe the rapture is happening. Same. Proof with scripture. There are people who believe the rapture will happen. Same. Proof with scripture. Most of you believe the rapture will happen. There are people who believe that there is nothing like rapture at all. And they will give you proof again. Same with scripture. Now. Let me tell you something. When such arguments come up, don't start uh, vociferating violently. Say, I must talk, I must talk, I must say my own, I must say. Uh, you believe it will happen in the past, or it has happened in the past, but you shall believe in Jesus, and that is coming again. You believe in Jesus, it's coming again. You believe in Jesus, it's coming again. And we believe, the truth is that we believe the same thing. All right? When it will happen, because of the side of eternity that we exist on, none of us truly know. So we believe in the same thing. So everybody should just do their day. Some arguments you, should, you shouldn't kill yourself over. When you attack the essentials, you're not going to tell me Jesus is not God. Who will die there on that mountain? Me and you will die. Is it I kill you or you kill me? But something must die. <laughs> Are you hearing what I'm saying? I don't care who you are. If you stand and you say Jesus is not God, listen, I don't care how high you have gone in ministry. The day you say, I will call your name and tell you that you are wrong. You see, because that's different. Are you with me? Mm, it's different. But somebody comes out and says that if you are not tying her tie, it is a sin. You understand saying, sir, if you read in context, keep quiet. Ha. Sometimes over, just let some things go, just so that other things will be established. So number one is honor for God and his word. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 13, it says, Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do everything for God's glory. Do everything for God's glory. Live your life as unto God. Honor God. Are you with me? In Proverbs chapter 3 verse 9, it says, Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. So when, for instance, you want to bring an offering on a Sunday morning, don't just bring an offering because, well, I ought to. Honor the Lord with your substance. Let it be honorable. Do you hear what I'm saying? Let it be honorable. You know there's a way somebody will give you something. It's not be like insults. It's not be like, ah, I didn't beg you for this thing. That's how some people give God offering. You carry money that has stolen, then you now squeeze it. Now just drop it. Where is your honor? Let it be honorable. Honor the Lord with your substance and the first fruits of all that increase. Honor him. He calls it honor. 
towards God. Number two in the local assembly is honor for God or for God's sense and authority. How God leads the local church is through the ministry gifts. I need you to understand something. How God leads his people is men. And you need to get it. The people who God has called to those positions have God's backing. Many people don't understand that that's the way God works. When you read, you know many people act the way they act because they don't have good Bible knowledge. Did you see the way God always opposed anybody who stood against or stood in dishonor against Moses' ministry? Some sons of Korah, they looked at Moses and said, who died and made you king? Why are you lording yourself over us? Why are you the one giving us instructions? And Moses said, to prove that God has called me. If God has not called me, nothing will happen. But if God has called me, the Bible said while he was still speaking the words, the ground opened up and swallowed them. Listen, we are in the New Testament. Things like that will not happen. But make no mistakes. God is still particular about those to whom he delegates authority. He is still particular about them. And so we must honor them, whether we agree with them or not. If you read the book of Acts, I think it's Acts chapter 15, where Paul was standing before the Sanhedrin. And um, the high priest said something, and unknown to Paul, that was the high priest. So Paul threatened to slap the high priest. And then the high priest said, would you slap the Lord's chosen? And Paul apologized. He said, I didn't know you were the high priest. Paul didn't believe in what the guy stood for. But if God has appointed him, he is God's own. Do you hear what I'm saying? Um, David was in a cave. Saul had gone to fight. Saul was lying in the cave. God's people, um, David's mighty men came and said, the Lord has delivered this man into your hands. Notice that at this time, Saul had tried to kill David. He had tried to stone David. There's no, he has, in fact, the reason why David was hiding in the cave was because Saul had sent out an army that wherever you see him is on sight. Shoot on sight. Just once you see David like this, just shoot first, ask questions later. If the person looks like David, shoot. And now, Saul is lying there, defenseless, without an army, at the mouth of the cave, and David is inside looking at him. And David's mighty men say, God has delivered this man into your hands. Look at God. And David said, how can I lay my hands on God's anointed? How? Learn honor today. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Learn honor today. It will help you. How can I lay my hands on God's anointed? So much so that the day... Saul now went out in battle and David was to be crowned king. And then Saul now died in battle. And one soldier now ran back to share the good news with David, that senior man, Saul, that has been threatening your life, he has died in battle. David asked him, are you sure? The man said, I killed him with my own hands. David said, you, you laid your hands on God's anointed. The Bible said David fell on the man with the sword. He killed the man where he stood. How dare you? 
who God anointed? How dare you? David understood the meaning of the anointing. He understood it. He understood it. Our generation, we trivialize things too much. And I am telling you, it's years from now that we will know the effect. I was watching the last Holy Ghost convention when that the Jews stood and said, some people are saying that he is in cohorts with the devil. So he will ask you to pray. If he is in cohorts with the devil, he should not wake up tomorrow morning. Do you know the amount of labor and consecration it takes for a man to be able to say that after over 30, 40 years in ministry, God is not unfaithful to forget your labor of love. Do you know? You now open your mouth because you learn small Greek and Hebrew and you have data on your phone and be talking anyhow against God's, God's elect, God's anointed. You are putting yourself inside trouble that you can't dig yourself out of. Many, of, many people don't know the, the, the pains many of these people have had to endure to see God's work go where it has gone. Many people don't know. And God is not ignorant of those pains. So when you speak against them, I, this does not mean you should worship your pastor. Can your pastor be wrong? Yes. You can disagree without being dishonorable. Do you hear what I'm saying? You can disagree without being dishonorable. You don't have to now remove your clothes and put it on the floor when your pastor is walking. Ah, my pastor is coming. My pastor. No, no, no. There's a line. It's not everything that is honor and loyalty. Draw the line. Once it starts to impede on your human rights and on your freedom, it's going too far. But at the same time, be careful what you say. Let me say one that many of you may not agree with. Even men that are in error, eh, that are called by God, the call is still on their life. Do you agree with what I'm saying? In such a situation, don't because you want to save people from error, now lead such a man. Now lead yourself into error. Two wrongs don't make a right to. If we understood how God dealt with his children, we'll be more careful. We'll be more careful. So, a pastor slept with a woman that is not his wife. He is extremely wrong. You know my stance on that. He is extremely wrong for doing that. Now, you now come out and start saying, he's a useless man. What kind of silly pastor is that? Let me tell you something. Tomorrow morning, he will go before God and say, I'm sorry. God will say, I have heard. The call, the anointing, it remains. The nonsense you have said, you will pay for it. <laughs> I hope you understand. God will not say, eh, well, he deserves it. Mm -mm. It is the same way the devil cannot be, bring an accusation against you when you are in error before God. Do you hear me? Do not bring an accusation against another person. Before God, when they are in error. 
God won't let the devil bring an accusation against you. Why do you think it's going to be any different for the man? Is he not a Christian like you? Was he not saved by grace like you? I'm not even saying he's special because he's called. I'm saying he is saved by grace like you are. The same way you, you entered error and you went to go and cry before God and said, I am sorry. And God said, it's okay, let's move. It's the same way he will enter error and go and cry before God and say, Daddy, I am sorry. And God will say, it's okay, let's move. You are only a man. So now, you, because you were upset with the error that he entered, you now went into error. <laughs> Say, such a stupid man. Such a silly man. God's anointed. Ha. Even, even me, I'm, I'm lead pastor. I have pastors that I ordained. It's me that laid hands on them. And it's me that I ordained them. I barely call them by their first name. As a sign of honor, pastor this, P this. Because ah, you are still God's anointed. Even if I laid hands on you, what I put on your life was the anointing of God. Do you understand it? It was the anointing of God. The king maker still submits to the king. So learn honor for God's sins. Let this be a church of honor. Am I saying turn a blind eye when you see error? No. But know how to address it. I have addressed how to address error in the local assembly several times. Is that true? Know how to address error. You see me. For instance, I do something, I'm in error. Speak to one of these people in front of you. They know how to reach me. If they can't reach me, they know who my own, my own pastor is. So I will just get a call from him. Hello, meet me here. The end. I'm accountable to someone, just like I'm accountable to you. But if you now accost me Sunday morning, Pastor, how could you? I will not answer you. I'm serious. I will not. If you do it to somebody else, I will not answer. I will tell the person to walk away. Because there's a proper way to do things. Don't let your emotions get the best of you. Do you hear me? First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 12 to 13. Our time is fast spent. But are you learning something this morning? I would, I would wrap up as quickly as possible. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 12 to 13. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord. Say, over you in the Lord. Understand that in God's family system, there is also, like there is, um, how do they call this thing now? Hierarchy of authority. I don't want to use the word hierarchy as though some people are better than you. But there are people who God will put over you. They are saved like you are, have the same Holy Ghost that you have, but God put them over you for reasons. Did you read that Paul said, according to the grace that is given me for you, which means the grace that was given to me for you, you don't have. Many of you can't, all of you can't do what I do. <laughs> you can't. And it's not because I have specific skill. No, I'm engraced for it. 
Do you understand what I'm saying? It's grace. It's not my training. It's not skill. It's grace. It's grace. That's what makes me qualified to be your pastor. Not that I'm morally upright. I try, but I'm not. I'm a human. Subject to mistakes. But God has engraced me for you. It's the reason why last night as I was sleeping, he showed me a vision. There is a breakthrough that many people need to step into. When you come up to preach, lead them in a season of prayer. How many of you had that vision last night? Raise your hand. Tall. All right. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. And be at peace among yourself. Esteem them very highly. Amen. Notice, we are not honoring God's called because they are older than me or younger than me or they have more money than me. No. In this church, you may be earning 30 million naira every month and your pastor is earning 30 naira every month. The Bible teaches you to esteem him highly or esteem her highly because of the call. Are you with me? Are we together? Is this a Bible-believing church? Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17 to 18. I will take time to show you numerous portions of scripture. Because many people think that um, honor for your pastor, honor for God's called in your midst, is really a thing, is, is, a, is a construct by the church to keep you subjugated under men who want to use you. And listen, I, am, I know it is a fact that there are many pastors who now take this honor thing to an extreme. And I've tried as much as possible to bring a balance. If your human rights are now being violated, there is no consideration for you every time. That's no longer honor. It's becoming something else. What do I advise you to do? Leave that place. It's not by force. But you come to a place where there's mutual respect. Honor the men of God over you. Where did I ask you to open? Everybody read Hebrews 13, 17 together. Once you go, obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. For they watch for your souls as they must give account. As they that must give account. So what do you do? Obey. We call for morning prayer. Obey. We call for evening um, Bible study. Obey. The pastor says, the Lord is asking me to call everybody around. Can we have a meeting next week, Saturday? Obey. Do you hear what I'm saying? Your pastor will call you. I've been seeing you with this particular boy. Um, Where is he from? What is he? Uh, I don't think he's okay for you. From what I'm seeing. Not even just from visions now. The way the boy is moving, he, he is double-headed. Stay away. Say, no, our love is forever. Us against the world. Oh, yeah, go. Three months later, pastor, I couldn't believe he could have done that to me. Uh, this thing I said to you, I can't count the number of times I've seen it happen. 
Not to people lost, me, to me. I will call somebody, I will advise you with all my heart. I will tell you, see, I love you. I don't want you to make, I don't want you to be hurt. They're still going to do what they want to do. Then they'll now come back, come back and say, Pastor, I know you told me, but get out. <laughs> all right. You know I love you, right? If you like, don't know. For they that watch for your souls, as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not, please, I'm begging you again. Please. I will give accounts for you. Let me have joy when I'm doing it. Um, for that is unprofitable for you. Verse 18, pray for us, for we trust we have a good conscience in all things, willing to live honestly. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17 to 19. Now, I want to have, I don't know where this time is flying to. I want to have a very quick conversation on something that many people find, many people will not want to agree with. But it must be taught. Again, like I said, some things people overstretch. But the fact that people take it to an extreme doesn't mean we should now go to the other extreme and never talk about it. First Timothy 5, um, 17. Can you put this in the HCSB? Let's use a translation that people will easily understand. He says, the elders who are good leaders should be considered worthy of what? Your voices are low. Worthy of what? Do you know what honorarium is? It's referring to money. It's referring to money, gifts. When, when a preacher comes to preach in a space and we are sending the preacher away, we give them what is called an honorarium. That is, thank you for coming. Thank you for the work you have just done. He says the Leaders who are good amongst you should be considered worthy of an ample honorarium, especially those who work hard at preaching. And is this inside your Bible? Next verse. For the scripture says, you must not muscle an ox that is threshing grain, and the laborer is worthy of his wages. So Paul calls the gift you give your pastor for being your pastor, his wages. Let me rephrase that. You owe it to him. Please don't hit me. Amen? Amen. But you owe it. It's just like um, somebody comes to work for you. So um, before a, a handyman, let's say a plumber, started working on your toilet, he, he said, I will collect 5K. You know, aside from material costs. Now he has finished working. You now carry the 5K. You now say, ah, let me just give you this, you know, out of the kindness. Is it out of the kindness of your heart you are giving him the 5K? He worked for it. You owe it to him. Paul says, the laborer, the one who labors in word and doctrine, preaching and teaching, the good leader amongst you, he says he is worthy of his wages. He has earned that gift. Let me rephrase it. It is wrong for you as a Christian to not every now and again appreciate your pastor. And I'm not saying this for me. Amen? I'm saying this because it is proper Christian culture. Our fathers and mothers knew this. Somehow, our generation wants to take, 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 but never give. 
our fathers and mothers, when they were going to not just their pastor's house, anybody's house, they would buy at least a bottle of wine. It won't cost you anything to stop by and buy at least a bottle of wine or some fruits. Some of you come to the pastor's house and ask, have you cooked? What did we cook? What are we eating? Our generation always wants to tell, Pastor, my school fees, Pastor, my this, Pastor, my that. But you've never taken out 100 naira to say, Pastor, I don't have much, but this is airtime. Please manage it. Thank you for all you do. It is wrong. It is dishonor. You are robbing the pastor. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 9 to 14. We're going to come back to 1 Timothy chapter 5, but I want to, I want to emphasize on this a little more so that you don't, you don't just think I took it from one portion of Scripture. 1 Corinthians 9, 9 to 14. We're still reading HCSB. It says, or, is this verse 9? This is verse 10. Give me verse 9, please. Verse 9 says, For it is written in the law of Moses, do not muzzle an ox while it treads out grain. Let me give you that picture. So, you have an ox. Um, an ox is typically like a bull. It looks like a cow, right? So, you have a bull. And they would usually use this bull. You know how we use tractors to pull our equipment now in our day? Then they used to use bulls to pull the equipment. So, the bull is going through the farm. And the muzzle is this thing they put over the bull's mouth so that it doesn't eat the farm produce. Moses teaches that if the bull is pulling the equipment you are using to till the farm, the bull deserves to eat of the farm that it is working on. And so do not cover its mouth so that as it goes through the farm, it eats from the farm and it is nourished. Are, are you with me? That, that's the scripture that, they, that Paul has quoted. Even Jesus quoted this in this light. He says, For it is written in the law of Moses, Thou shalt not muzzle the mouth of the ox that treadeth out the corn. Now he's saying, Doth God take care for oxen? We've gone back to KJV. Verse 10. Or isn't he really saying it for us, HCSB? Yes, this is written for us because he who plows. Now, please pay attention. The us that he's speaking about, if you read in context, is the teachers, your pastors, your, the people doing ministry in your life. He said he who plows. That means to plow would be figurative for to do ministry. Does it make sense? That is to preach and teach God's word. Does that make sense? He who plows ought to plow in hope. And he who threshes should do so in hope of sharing the crop. Verse next. If we have sown, everybody read this verse together I want to go, as loud as you can. If we have sown spiritual things for you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? Read it again as loud as you can want to go. If we have sown spiritual things for you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? One of the ways you respond to your pastor's ministry in your life is to communicate material things with your pastor. Verse next, please. And many of you, you know my heart. You know that I'm not coming to say this because I want something from you. Many of you will bring to me and I will turn it down. Especially when I know that it's been a tough season for you. You'll come and say, Pastor, take I will say, no, thank you. Keep it. God bless you. I will pray over it and send it back to you. But at least, let, don't, don't let greed 
have such a hold on your heart that somebody has labored over you in preaching, in teaching, in prayers, and you can't take out, even if it is a little token. And let me just say this. Don't let this apply only to your pastors, your parents, your parents, the people that gave birth to you. Every now and again, even if it is a little token, send something to people who bless you. Stop taking, 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 but you never give. Stop it. If others share this authority, is this, is this verse 13? Where are we? All right. Um, you have gone back to KJV. Please put this back in HCSB. He says, if others have this right to receive benefits from you, don't we even more? However, we have not made use of this right. Instead, we endure everything so that we will not hinder the gospel of Christ. This is my predisposition. Even I as a pastor, I have a right to ask. I have a right to say. But however, I have not used that right so that I do not hinder the flow. So that you don't say, because pastor asked, I will not come again. If, if that is what will stop you from receiving from God, keep your money, keep your gifts. I will keep preaching. Do you understand? But at the same time, if others have a right, if a workman walks over you, like walks for you, and he has a right to demand, don't we even more? What we are doing for you, is it just physical? Is it not spiritual too? You know what is interesting? A lot of people will pay a lot of money to see a therapist and end up using the pastor for therapy session. We'll never give him anything. Verse 13. Don't you know that... Those who perform the temple services eat the food from the temple and those who serve at the altar share in the offerings of the altar. So let me settle an age-long conversation now. What are your tithes and offerings supposed to be used for? A, from scripture. Number one, the welfare of the people who serve in church. Number two, the growth of the local church. Your tithes and offerings are not supposed to be used for building roads outside. That's what your taxes are for. When you go out and you buy something and they tell you VAT, 7.5%, you've seen it before. That's what it is for. Your tithes and offerings from scripture is supposed to be used for the welfare of the house of God. I've taught you this many times. There are three different types of tithes in the Old Testament. You can research this when, um, after this service. There's the one that you bring to the house of God for the Levites, for the people who stand and minister in the house of God. There's the second one that you bring to the house of God to eat. So you carry it and bring it here and eat it. And then the third that you leave at the gate of the city in the Old Testament for the poor amongst you. That was what their tithes were for. But the one you bring into the house of the Lord is for the house of the Lord. The people, he says... Um, those who serve at the altar share in the offerings of the altar. It's in your Bibles. Now, again, let me say this. I, I, I am not a signatory to any church account. I don't know how to remove money from the church account. I don't have that access. There are like four different people that, that do that, that must connive to do that, and I'm not one of them. Right? So I don't, I'm not saying this for myself. I don't take from the church offering. Um, the church is meant to pay me a salary. I waive that salary most months. Except when tough times don't they last. I will now say, 
how far? Please help me with this month's salary because I need it. But most months I waive that salary because the church needs it. So what I'm teaching you now is not for me. Please, please see my heart. It's not for me. It is for you. It's, it's culture. Next verse. This is the last verse. Verse 14. Everybody read verse 14 together. I want to go. In the same way, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should earn their living. So, if a pastor decides to be bivocational, it is his choice. You know what I mean by bivocational? He preaches on Sunday and goes to a 9 to 5 on a Monday morning. It's his choice. The Bible says... Those who preach the gospel, the Lord has commanded that they should earn their living from the gospel. In fact, we call them bivocational pastors because preaching and teaching and pastoring a local church in itself is a job. It's, it, it's work. <laughs> so part of your honor for your ministry gifts is to respond, you don't respond by ministry and um, respond to ministry by always saying, I was so blessed. I was so blessed. No. You respond to ministry by giving. And don't wait till you have so much. We don't give because it is convenient. It will never be. Even when you have millions, there will always be things you want to use the millions for. So we don't give because it is convenient. We give because it is culture. Do you understand what I'm saying? And don't mistake the money you are giving to your pastor for the money you are giving to church. In our generation, we like doing things either or. We like mutually exclusive. So if I've given to church, I don't need to give to pastor. No. The money you give to church is not for pastor. Amen? It's not, is it my account there? It's church account. It's not, it's not for pastor. The money you give to pastor is not for church. If pastor decides to send it to church, it is his own prerogative. And now, you have given to church, you have given to pastor, so you say you will not give to the poor. It's a lie. You will give to the poor. You will also give to your parents. Amen. Amen. Let's go back to 1 Timothy chapter 5. I'm sorry, I'm trying to wrap this up, but I, I need to finish. Like This is one teaching I must finish. 1 Timothy chapter 5, we'll read verse 19 now. Please. Everybody read verse 19 as loud as you can. One, two, go. Don't accept an accusation against an elder unless it is supported by two or three. Is this in your Bible? Please, oh. Do not accept an accusation against an elder except there is ample evidence. You have two or three witnesses. In the mouth of two or three witnesses, every truth is established. Even Jesus, this is his position. So, don't accept, oh, pastor so-and-so, did you hear? Uh, I heard. Who else saw? Who else was there? Then if you have two or three witnesses, there is a proper way to deal with the problem. Don't let somebody come and accuse your pastor before you. And you now say, hmm, I always knew that he had tendencies, sharp. Our church people will embarrass you. Ah. Something happened in the Abuja church. The next thing, 
the lady involved, she sent PSK a message that uh, you have a very wicked heart. Sha, don't be the reason this church with ah. But she showed me the message. I said, Kai, church people will embarrass you. And PSK was not involved in what happened at all. Don't accept an accusation against an elder unless it is supported by two or three witnesses. Number three, honor. It's honor for God's people. Honor for God's people. I reckon that Pastor David touched this last week a little bit. You cannot love God and not love his body. 1 John chapter 4, verse 20 says that a man that says he loves God but does not love his brother is a liar. So love God's people genuinely. Bless you. Love God's people genuinely. Don't come to the local church and you are always instigating a fight here and there, always gossiping about somebody. That's not love. Let's show you what love is. First Corinthians chapter 13, very quickly. From verse 4 to 7. Love is patient. Love is kind. Be kind. All right, stop always looking for violence. Say me, I don't take nonsense. Take it every now and again. Endure on, the, on behalf of some people every now and again. Be a genuinely kind person. Love does not envy. Love is not boastful. This is how to show love to God's people. Love is not conceited. It's not high-minded. How, who is he to talk? How can he say that? Does he know who I am? Is this church that is bringing us together? If this guy sees me outside church, can he talk to me? Shut up! We will fight, oh. If I catch you talking like that, we will fight. If he sees me outside church, can he talk to Who are you? Who, who are you? Can you be any more than the person saved by grace? And can your brother be any less than the person saved by grace? So what do you have that you have not received? Where then is boasting? What are you boasting about? Says so because two of us were in this service unit together. That's why you're talking like this to me. Do you know me outside? Who are you outside? And why is the you outside different from the you inside? <laughs> Love is not conceited. Love does not act improperly. Any small thing you want to push it, you want to fight. Love is not selfish. It is not easily provoked. Everybody read the next one together as loud as you can. One, two, go. Again, love does not keep a record of wrongs. A person in the local assembly aired a couple of weeks ago, a couple of months ago, they have apologized. It has passed, but you will not let it go. See me? Hmm. Once somebody shows you their true color, believe them. So now, what they've apologized for, what they've moved on from, you haven't. Love does not keep a record of wrongs. Love God's people genuinely. (laughs) 
The brother that came into church, and when he came into church, he was promiscuous, but he has turned a new leaf. We can all see he has turned a new leaf. If he has made those changes, accept who he is now. Because you, we knew where you were when you joined church. You know, our society, because our own sins are more private than their own sins, we think we are better. In this church, I've seen people, as your pastor, I'm privileged to know most private things about many of you. And I don't say it to anybody. I've seen people call people out for things that I help them through. Sometimes I'll say you. You, you, have the, you, have, you can talk like this. Love does not keep record of wrongs. Um, verse 6. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. Verse 7. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. This is how to love your brothers and sisters in Christ. When they are in trouble, you will bear with them. Do you understand? You will carry their burden with them. When they need faith, you will believe with them. When they are looking forward in hope, you will hope with them. When the times are tough, you will endure with them. You are there with them. You are soldiers in the trenches. You are there. When we have won the battle and we are parading through the city, we are standing side by side with each other. Do you hear what I'm saying? Let it be that when times were tough for you, this person was holding your hands. Now that times are great for you, this person is still holding your hands. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Finally, number four, this is the last thing I'll teach and then we'll pray. I apologize for taking your time so long this Sunday. Honor for your body. Not the body of Christ now. Your body. This body. That's the fourth level of honor. It's honor for yourself. Let's start with yourself. So, your body first. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18 to 20. Someone asked, or I asked this question at midweek service. And many people couldn't answer. Why is it a sin to smoke? Show me in the Bible where the Bible says it is wrong to smoke. I'm not saying it is not to. It is. But why? <laughs> why? Maybe we can answer that question. Say the Bible says it's a sin to smoke. Where? This is why. Flee from sexual immorality. Every sin a person can commit is outside the body. But the person who is sexually immoral sins against his body. So there are sins you can commit against your own body. When you do not take care of the body that God has given to you, do you know it is a sin? Are you hearing me? So now, the subject here is sexual immorality. But there are many other things that, that count. You eat anyhow. Anything that's flying by, wah, flying across, is entering your is a sin. Some of you, you don't eat anyhow. You don't eat at all. You are in the same boat. It's funny because you are not eating. You are probably not eating for the last 26 hours and you are typing, and if you are smoking, it's a sin. You are equally sinning. Repent. Amen. 
Because you don't like the way God created your skin, you want to be fairer. Now you start bleaching. You are sinning against your body. Do you hear what I'm saying? Do you hear what I'm saying? Some augmentations, if they have adverse and advanced health risks to your body, is sin. Is sin. You are sinning against your body. Honor your body. Here's why, verse 19. Do you not know that your body is a sanctuary of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Whom you have from God. Read the last line together, everybody, as loud as you can want to go. You are not your own. So I will not wake up and forgive me for saying this. Listen, if this will help your self-esteem, consider the health risks and then go ahead if the health risks are mitigated. But some people don't consider the health risks. They just want to look finer. So you go to some quack doctor that doesn't know what he's doing to do butt implants, breast implants, and three years down the line, you start suffering infections. You are not your own. You have, you have sinned against your body. When you stand before God, he will, you will give account. Do you know? You will give account. He will tell you, I gave you a good body. The one I gave you was functional. Why did you spoil it? No, it's true. You will give accounts. You are not your own. So honor your body. Next verse, verse 20. For you were bought with a price. Everybody read the last line together. Therefore glorify God. So you will sleep well. This one, I'm saying it to myself as well. You will sleep well. You will eat well. You won't smoke because it's dangerous to your body. Honor your body. It, see, hear me. It is part of your responsibilities in the local assembly. You are not your own. Don't let us every time, the time that we should be using to pray for Pakistan, the churches, we are praying for your health. Every single time. And it's not that the devil is attacking you. No, you're attacking yourself. Your eating is bad. Your sleeping is bad. You don't take care of yourself. And every time we're praying for you. Honor your body. Do you hear what I'm saying? So I told you there are four levels of honor. What's the first one? Come on, what's the first one? The second... The third and the last. Good. So under honor, loyalty, and commitment, these are the four steps of honor. And the thing is, when you honor properly, you'll be loyal. You'll be loyal. Stop jumping up and down. Sunday service, be in your local church, your home church. Don't say, ah, there's this roommate of mine. They've been inviting me to their church for long now. Let me just go. Why have they not come to your own church? Do you know what is interesting? Many times, if you attend a good local church and your roommate attends a good local church, they will never feel the need to invite you to their church. So they're probably inviting you to their church because there's a way you are behaving. It looks like that church you're attending. They're not teaching you anything there. 
Have you learned something this morning? I had originally wanted to take questions, but some of you can swear for me if I do this morning. So, or this afternoon, this afternoon now. So I will end this teaching here. But I want to implore every one of us. Go home. Think on these things that you have heard. You have a responsibility within this local assembly. You are responsible for this church. Do you know? You are. Even your ambitions must be geared towards the contribution, towards contributing towards the growth of the local church. You must blow. You must blow. I'm praying night and day for you to blow. So that when that money should touch your hand, you will know what to do with it. You won't just be traveling up and down. There's work to do here. When we looked, when we looked at the finances for the church, we just quietly told ourselves that we will limit Glory Tour to one a month. Because Glory Tour is very expensive. I think the last one cost us in excess of 200000 So just do one meeting. And then we want to do three every month. Plus rent in Lagos and Abuja. Plus salaries, Lagos and Abuja. We just said, no, let's respect ourselves and just, we'll do one this month. Let's see how, how much we can do next month. But the time will come when some of you will say, where are you going to next? I will cover it. Say amen. amen. What is the next need of the church? I will cover it. Say amen. amen. It is our collective responsibility as members of this church to do so. I hope you've learned something. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the teaching of your word. Thank you because the things that we have heard, they are life and they are peace. Let us grow by them. And let this local church become stronger because of the things we have heard. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen and amen. Please package your offerings. Thank you for listening. For more head over to circlechurchglobal.org or visit any of the church campus addresses on the website. God bless you.